Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's time for the sesh wagon this week. Friday, 11th of November, 2022. And we're going to start off today. We're going to talk about something. Something I'm surprised, like, for the amount I've been following it, I haven't even mentioned it on the podcast yet because it's been a pretty major thing, you know, in the sport of cricket. The T20 World Cup's been going on. And the Black Caps, your boys, the Black Caps, have actually been... They've done pretty well. Like, they just got knocked out in the semi-finals just the other night. And, you know, last T20 World Cup, they did, did even better. They made the final, and, and you know, the Black, Black Cats have been on a fucking ripper of a run the last four years or so, or three years since 2019. You know, we won't talk about what happened in 2019. Those scars are still there, fucking, like quick sideshow rant, like, you know, how, how can you draw a final of a World Cup and then just lose on some arbitrary bullshit? And the fact that it was in England's home country, man, like, I'm just going to say it right now, that shit was rigged. That shit was rigged. Cricket, match fixing, it's fucking, you know, I'm not saying that there were cunts out there that were like, you know, everybody in the team, in each team, knew the fix was in and that England had to win. Like, I wouldn't even say most of the players. Like, I would be, I could, I could see a scenario where none of the players were in on the fix and it was fucking just an umpire, like, match official deal where, you know, certain weird occurrences happened and, you know, a couple of interesting fucking you know, rulings at the end there, and then you go to a, the game gets tied, you go to a super over, you tie the super over, and then the fucking next tie break was on the fucking most boundary score in the inning, like, I mean, I know, like, yeah, they, they, they would have crossed the T's and dotted their I's to make sure there was no way that you could obviously prove it was a fix, like, if it was a fix, it was a fucking well done fix, but, like, that's you know, basically what I think happened in the 2019 Cricket World Cup. But anyway, back to the T20 World Cup of 2022 over in Australia. The Black Caps, you know, I give them, my grading of their tournament, I give them an A-. minus. I think the boys, I think they did pretty well. Like, making the final would have got them up to an A, and obviously winning the final, regardless of what happened, is just A+, plus out, out the fucking gate. Like, that would have been, you know, boys would have just, gotten all the praise, especially with how they've been playing leading into it. Like, they haven't been bad, but, you know, in comparative to the last few years, this was definitely, like, a bit, had been a bit of an off year, you know, for the boys. Losing a few games, they shouldn't, getting swept by England in the Test Series and just, you know, leading up to the tournament. Looking all right, but having, having a few couple of rough warm-up games. But, um... Yeah, man, they just get into the tournament. First game, opening game against the host, Aussie, who we fucking always suck against over an Aussie, and we blow them out, you know. Win by, like, damn near 100 runs. I think it was over 100 runs. Just the biggest win of the whole tournament, turned out being, was New Zealand bending over and raping Australia. Just absolute epic one from the lads. And, you know, a couple of weeks of rough weather and just other games going... going sort of a bit weird, Black Caps only 
Liverpool game they lost were was to England, who honestly at this stage, a couple of days before the final, look like they're going to fucking run away with the final. So really, you can't be too mad at that loss. You know, England, are, basically the only two teams they lost to were to Pakistan in the semi-final and England, who were the other finalists. So at the end of the day, you got to say, third, fourth place finish in the T20 World Cup when the two best teams you played and you lost, like, and you didn't get smashed, like, they were just comfortable, like, you know, it wasn't close, but it wasn't an absolute drubbing, like, they were in the game for parts, but at the end of the day, you can't be disappointed in that. Couple of real good performances, Glenn Phillips fucking absolutely balled out, won the game single-handedly against Sri Lanka, and just, you know solidified himself in that team you know I reckon like I think that's pretty clear and obvious that he's at least going to be in that T20 team for the next few years at least probably lock in a solid place in the one day team but you know with my limited knowledge of cricket I really want to see him get a get a go at the test team like I feel like it might be tough our batting order's been doing all right like there is still probably one middle order spot open just trying to run through my head, the test team. Sort of, you got Kane. You've had Kane, Nichols, Mitchell's been going off. And I think that's, yeah, basically your middle order. So, I don't know. I don't know what you do with them, Glenn Phillips. You could give him a crack at opening. Because you can't really even keep, because Blundell's been doing a pretty solid job. So, he's got to stay in his... He's, he's definitely, you know... He'd be so hard done by if he got dropped now. He's been, he's been playing pretty solid. And just, yeah, I don't know, you know. Cricket followers, you know, you know, you guys out there that are fucking way more knowledgeable about the, about the bat and the ball sports than I am, let me know. Would it be crazy if Glenn Phillips got given a crack opening in the test team, put him up there with Conway or whatever the fuck? Well, no, I mean, not Conway. Conway will be back down the middle order. Put him put him in there with fucking Latham. See how we go. Like, because that second opening spot's always been a bit sketchy. It's probably that one weak, weak point. Fucking, yeah. But anyway, that's about the extent I know of cricket. Pakistan, England in the final tomorrow night. Might watch it a little bit. Been a, it's been a main topic of conversation in the office. The, the boys in the office all love, love a little bit of cricket, a lot of them. So it's been good just talking shit, you know, because we've got some diverse nationalities in the office. Got an Indian guy who's hardcore Indian supporter. Good dude, fucking great dude, that guy. Aussie dude as well. He's a good good bloke. He's big-time Aussie cricket supporter, so it's great giving him shit. Mate, oh, I'm just winding this guy up. Eh? He's a fucking... I'd walk in in the office every day. And basically, like, I think it was after, after Aussie lost, to, no, no, they didn't lost, they losing, they got blown out, but after Aussie fucking, like, bit Afghanistan, or whoever, well, they nearly lost Afghanistan, but who, when they bit whoever, I would always just be like, oh, fuck, Aussie, they finally won a game, mate. You know, home tournament, absolutely shit in the bed. So it was good having that kind of chat, but yeah, fucking hell, man. But anyway, on to the main... Major sporting event, at least in my mind, in this coming week. We got UFC 281, Adesanya versus 
Alex Pajada for the middleweight title. Your boy Israel Adesanya. New Zealand's greatest individual sportsman of the last, I'm going to say, 20 years. And don't at me at that. Like, Israel Adesanya, like, maybe not right now you could say that. Like, he's definitely up there in the conversation. But when he's done, when he is finished in the sport of mixed martial arts, is going to, should, would, and is going to go down as New Zealand's greatest individual sport athlete. Like, not even close. Because... You know, MMA, it's it's up there. It's up there as one of the biggest sports in the world. And he's arguably, he's one on, he's number one or two in terms of, you know, pound for pound rankings and just in terms of biggest athletes in the in the USC right now. He's fucking, can get bigger. Like, McGregor's the only one that's bigger. And he's, he, he might, like, McGregor's probably not even that big anymore with how little he's been fighting. Like, yeah, that's probably a shit claim. Fucking, he'll blow up a back for you. Drop the phone. Drop the phone. Don't worry, we're back. Fucking just drop the phone down the side of the seat into the deep crevasse that, you know, shit gets lost in all the time. But we're back. So Adesanya tucking New Zealand's greatest individual sportsman of the last 30 years. Like, I would... I would say the only one you got an argument with is Peter Snell. Like, and I'm saying sportsman, because, you know, you got like Valerie Adams, you got to respect Valerie Adams. She's up there, man. She's definitely our greatest individual female sportsman, but female sportsman, sportswoman, allegedly. Nah, she's a chick. Fucking spend enough time around solely chicks, you'll fucking see, yeah, They grow them like that down here. But anyway, Israel Adesanya absolutely clearing out the middleweight divisions, fighting fucking Alex Pajeda, who's like 6-1, and 3-0 in the UFC. Like, this guy's been skyrocketed up the fucking rankings. Only beaten one ranked guy. Granted, knocked him out in two minutes. Old Sean Strickland. Fucking Sean Methhead Trailer Park Strickland. But, um, yeah, man, like, the only reason this guy's got a fighting Adesanya is because he's, he beat him twice in kickboxing before Adesanya came over to the UFC. He was one of the top kickboxers in the world, and Alex Pajeda, also one of the top kickboxers in the world, fucking knocked him out in his last fight and beat him in a controversial decision a year before that, and, yeah, man, fucking, that's the only reason, and I understand Fucking, you know, people look at kickboxing and it looks like pretty similar to an MMA fight in terms of the stand-up, but it's pretty fucking different, man. Like, you know, speaking of somebody who hasn't been in a proper fist fight since uh, year year 10 one-outs, like, I got got one good scrapping back in the year 10 days. Year 8 days back in primary school, man. We were, we were scrapping all the time. Fucking fight club fucking damn near every other lunchtime. Yeah, fucking year 8, mate. 
intermediate primary school, whatever you want to fucking call it. Mate, them boys were fucking tough out out there, man. And, you know, I wouldn't say I was the best fighter. I got my nose bloodied up a couple times. Fucking, you know. But the boys were smart about it. Like, we were all boys back in the day then. Like, there was only, like, in my year seven, eight class, we had about 25 kids. Oh, probably probably closer to 30. We'll say 30 kids. Eight of them were boys. We were outnumbered, 22 to 8. Fucking, you know. So we, we stuck together. We No one was on the outside, but all the boys, some of them, a couple of them from the hood, pretty fucking rough, rough type, solid Omari dudes in the, in the class. And one thing we all had in common was, you know, we loved to get a bit of a scrap on every now and again. So, you know, and these guys, you know, it was, a real, it was just a real bogan fucking hood vibe school. So, like, yeah, we just got into it. And your boy, your boy wasn't well, didn't shy away from it didn't shy away from the physical yeah sure i was the biggest kid in the class like it wasn't it wasn't exactly weight division so like yeah man i was like going up against guys like there was one guy who was probably similar like probably not quite as big and a couple inches shorter like he might have been like 10 kilos lighter than me at the time like i was probably up you know, I was up around in the 80s, around 85 kegs at fucking 12 years old. I was a big fella. Maybe that might be pushing it. No, 85's pushing it. would say maybe 78, 78, just under 80. Like, yeah, actually, no, year eight, year eight was a big weight fucking, that was a big weight jump. I broke my arm a lot, fucking couldn't do a lot of sport. So that was definitely, so I, I, depending what what year, what time of year you got me in year eight? Early on, like I didn't break my hand until about start of winter, start of rugby season. That's how I did it. I broke it three times in one year. So basically from fucking maybe May, end of May, right through to November, just in a cast pretty much all the time. Like I broke after I finished the first hand, broke, broke my hand to start with, and then broke the next hand like two weeks later. Second rugby game back I played, just fucking fell on it. And then literally first game back after that, fell back on my other arm and snapped my fucking radius radius like a twig, man. Just absolutely ruined me, eh? So that was in a cast of damn near three months and fucked me up for cricket season. So that, you know, already a pretty, pretty, pretty hefty lad going into that probably at about... 70 kegs at 12 years old fucking definitely would have shot up probably put on 10 to 15 and starting year nine mate that was you know pretty large lad there at about 88 kegs i reckon so anyway you know so your boy's been in a fight or two but he's no mma expert but like fucking artisania is just he's just like he's had Way more fights against way better guys, way different, way more experience, just, you know. Sure, I think most of it's going to be standing up on the feet, unless for some reason Pajeda gets the upper hand and then Adesanya realises he's got to take it to the ground to make sure he wins the fight. But I don't think he's going to necessarily have to do that. I think I think my pick for the fight is Adesanya's just going to, piece this guy apart, stick behind his jab, just dancing around the ring, just picking him apart, being way too quick for the cunt, 
and just cruise to a 50 to 50 45 five round domination and that's you know he could knock him out but like i think like Petty gotta respect his power he's got fucking mean left hook that it's the one that knocked out izzy back in the day that's what he knocked out old shawnee strickland with but fuck man i think you're an absolute idiot if you pick against adesanya like you know what another sidetrack here i was texting one of the boys today you know and you're listening if you're listening to this you know who the fuck you are fucking this this lad like i'll give it to him he's a fucking lad but mate he is the pussiest gambler in the entire universe you know what this cunt sent me he sent me sent me a screenshot of his tab fucking account of some of the bets he's got on the fights this weekend this cunt you know picked head to head alex behater to beat old izzy izzy adesanya paying like two dollars forty or whatever the fuck and like I had to hit him up. I was like, what the fuck, man? you got to be a literal retard to think Adesanya's going to lose to this guy. But what was even worse is what he fucking said back to me. He said, you know, definitely back in Izzy. Got to back the la- the boy. But he wants to put money on Pajada just in case he wins so he's less disappointed. Like, he's, he's betting money so that he doesn't feel as down in the, in the dumps if his boy loses. Now, that is the most pussy, pathetic gambling strategy I've fucking heard in my life. And you know what, mate? You deserve to be called out for this, man. I'm sick of your shit with your pussy-ass fucking gambling. This is the kind of guy... I was talking to him, I was on the phone to him a few months ago, and this cunt was watching an NRL game in the back, I think, in the background, I think it was fucking Rabbitohs Cowboys or whatever, and this cunt was yelling at the TV, because I think there was the Rabbitohs blew like a 14 point lead or something in the last 10 minutes, and because of this, he had money on the Rabbitohs, or what could have been the other way around, but he had money on, on this one team that blew the lead, and it fucking cost him his bet, and he was yelling and screaming at the TV, fucking as pissed off as this guy I've ever seen him get. And you know how much money he had on this game? One fucking dollar. One fucking dollar. You know, what kind of broke-ass piece of shit person do you have to be to get emotional over a one fucking dollar bet? Like, NRL game, max you're going to get, like, $2.10 back. You're going to be making $1.10. Like, why? What is the fucking point? I would wipe my ass with a dollar. Especially a New Zealand dollar in this fucking economy. So, what the fuck are you even doing? Like, granted, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I'm a fucking terrible gambler. Especially when it comes to fights. Especially when it comes to fights. I own the worst record ever on gambling on MMA or boxing fights. We'll take you to the most embarrassing ones straight off. Just to give you an example on how terrible I am. You may remember old Jake Paul. Boxing sensation now. You know. Actually seems like he's a half decent boxer now. A year or so ago. Nobody fucking knew that. 
signs up, fights Ben Askren, recently retired MMA fighter, not known for his stand-up fighting, more of a grappler, big-time grappler, actually really shit in the stand-up, but former world champion in a couple of smaller organisations, solid, you know, former Olympic wrestler, so he's an athlete, hard worker, good dude, autistic as fuck kind of guy, so real quirky guy, good guy to listen to if you ever fucking hit him up on the internet. But he was facing Jake Paul in like his first, one of his earlier fucking boxing fights, and here I was like, fuck me, there is no way Jake Paul wins this cunt against this cunt who's got all this fighting experience, granted no boxing experience, but it'll translate enough. And he was paying, like, four fucking dollars. Like, and I thought it was a great, those were ridiculous odds. So at four dollars, I put 250 fucking bucks on this guy. And what happens? Minute 30 in, Jake Paul drops Ben Askren. Ref, little bit dubious, gets in there, waves off the fight, while Ben Askren probably still had a chance to regather himself and get back in the fight. But fuck me, man. That was, oh, that was one of the worst gambling decisions I've ever made in my life. And I took, I think I took a good year, a good solid year off gambling after that one. I just had to, man. Like, just had to. I needed the, needed the break. But anyway, at least, you know, I felt something there, man. It was real. 250 bucks. Like, I had the opportunity to win a thousand bucks on this shitty, likely rigged fight. I would not have given a fuck about this fight, but now I was fucking into this fight. So, like, what's the fucking point of gambling when you're gambling with the most minuscule amount of fucking currency? And then again, why the fuck are you, like, get, the way this cunt's gambling on this Adesanya fight, it's defeating the purpose of gambling. He's literally like, you may as well bet on both guys. You're emotionally betting on Adesanya, but then you're monetarily betting on Pajeda. Like, what the fuck is the point? Either double down or don't gamble at all. Anyway, sorry, boys. Oh, sorry, boys. Sorry, mate. For, 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 the, for, the, for the lad that knows who that's about. Like, I'm sorry. I got a little bit worked up there. I went a little bit over the top. But I stand by my point. It's the fucking pussiest way to gamble on sports I've ever heard. <sighs> but anyway, quick rundown of the rest of the UFC card. A couple of NZ lads fighting on the card. You got Dan the Handman Hooker. Trying to break that losing streak. Lad needs a win. We need the lad to get up for a win. I'd love it if the lad got up for a win. Fucking Dan Hooker, New Zealand legend. And then you got Brad Riddell, Christchurch lad. Big fight against Hanato Moicano. Both guys on a little bit of a losing side. Both guys used to be ranked in the top 15 of the lightweight division not too long ago. And that's going to be a fucking banger. That's my... That's my sleeper pick for fight of the night. You know, you got you got Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler on the card, and most people will be picking that to be an absolute banger, and I think it will. But I think Riddell Moicano, I think that's going to be an absolute fucking war. And then you got Carlos 
Ulberg, the sexiest MMA fighter, the sexiest Samoan you've ever seen. In the lightweight division, getting another fight. He's opening up the whole card, I think. Fucking early, early prelims against another guy who's like 13-1, and one, like Romanian guy. Could be a pretty fucking tough fight for him. Like, Ulberg, he's been a little bit up and down. He's won his last two, but last two opponents just looked like absolute garbage. Got the good early knockdown in his last one. But yeah, man, it's just... We'll see. I don't know. Again, it's one of those things like those low rank guys where they've only got two, maybe four, two to four fights in the UFC. You just don't know about them. Like, if you know about them, you're an absolute crazy fucking hardcore cunt. There's like 600 UFC fighters or whatever under contract. If you know every single one, you are a fucking mad cunt. So, props off to you. But anyway, on to next, you know. Very sporting heavy to start today, but we're going to keep going with the theme so far. But NFL, quick wrap-up of the games this week. And your boys, the Ravens, had a solid win on Monday Night Football against the New Orleans Saints. Game they should win. Saints are looking pretty average this year. You know, a lot of guys leaving the team. And coach is a bit suspect after Sean Payton moved on. But, um, yeah, man. Lamar Jackson just ran the ball. He got nearly 100 yards. He had Kenyon Drake, the running back, with like 80 yards. Lamar only thrown for about 130, but understandable because Mark Andrews, fucking top tight end, was out injured for the game. And yeah, basically, and also Rashad Bateman, probably our best receiver, best most talented receiver anyway, our first-round pick last year. He, this week, came out. He's fucking out for the season with a foot injury. Missed most of last season with an injury anyway. Can't really hold that one against him because he was actually, like, he did his ACL right at the end of college and he was injured when we drafted him, so we knew he was going to miss at least the first half of last season. But tough for the young guy. But anyway, so receiving stocks depleted. So understandable that Lamar only threw for about 130. Didn't really need to because we just, we were comfortable. The defense was dominating. Defenses was getting picks. Just fucking beating up the Saints left and right. But, man, it was a weird week in the NFL. Fucking couple of big upsets like you had the Jets the Jets knocking off the Buffalo Bills and now the New York Jets are up there like 6-3 and three. playoffs ended the day they're, they're in a playoff spot going to the playoffs fucking who would have ever thought it looks like Robert Sala second year coach there former San Francisco 49ers defense coordinator first Muslim you know respect to the Muslim brothers first Muslim head coach in the NFL Looks like he knows the fuck he's doing, man. And he's, you know, he's a head coach in the NFL you got to respect. Like, you can't not respect Robert Saleh. He gets so hype on the sideline. He's like fucking, his defense puts out a, makes an epic play. He's fucking jumping up and down, yelling, shoulder bumping the lads as they're coming off the field. Like, you know, looks like he, he, he knows what he's doing out there. And he's yeah, got those jets humming pretty well. Looks like they're going to be a solid team. Solid team. Years to come. But they get the big one off Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills, who everybody thought was going to dominate that division like they did last year. But, yeah, that was one upset. And another upset, the Green Bay Packers lost to the Detroit Lions. Aaron Rodgers had probably one of the worst games of his career against the Detroit Lions. I watched, I watched at least the second half just on red zone on Monday morning, man. And fuck, man. Like, I know he's got no receivers. 
And I know his offensive line's a bit banged up at the moment. But, oh, Aaron. Mate. Like, it's tough. It's tough, man. Like, the dude was the MVP the last two years, so you can't say, like, he's... It's too early to say he's fallen off. Like, he's had a... He's not had the best start to the season. He's not... You know, losing Devontae Adams was huge, but... It's not just that. Like, he's got to take some of the blame here. And honestly, he probably is. Uh, I didn't watch this week... This week's version of uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' Tuesdays. So I better get on that, actually. It's not like me to miss one. But, um... Yeah, man. Like, they lost 16-7. to Like, the defense... The Packers' defense held the Lions to 16 points. That should be enough to defeat the Lions, like, 99,000 times out of 100. Like, they did their job. But Rodgers just threw three picks. Couldn't get the offense going at all. Like, it was just an absolute turd. And the Lions are, like, the worst team in the NFL. Like, I'll just outright say it. Like, it's between them and the Texans. And you, you just, games like that, they're just soul-crushing. Especially, like, we get pretty much just over the half point of the season. You're down, you're, like, three and six. You've really got to, you can't afford to drop more than one more game the rest of the way to have a good shot at making the playoffs. Like, you've got to get minimum ten and seven to have a solid chance at making the playoffs, I think. There'll probably be a nine and eight team make it in, but, you know. So the Packers have basically got to run the table, more or less. Only got, and they've got some tough games coming up. So, looks like Aaron Rodgers and the boys, I'm going to call it. I'm calling it now. It's not like me to, to bet against the king, Aaron Rodgers, the unvaxxed king, the absolute legend of a man, but uh, they just don't have the team this year. I don't know what it is, man. The NFL's been fucking weird this year. And the Packers, yeah. But moving on, what else was weird this week? I'm sure I'm missing something, but the weirdest thing in the NFL was old the Indianapolis Colts fired their head coach, Frank Reich. Pretty average start to the season, I'll give it to them, but fired Frank Reich. May, you know, old Jim Ursay, the owner's not happy. But they go ahead and they hire new interim coach, Jeff Saturday, former centre, for the Indianapolis Colts when they were in their heyday when Peyton Manning was their quarterback. Super Bowl winning centre. But they've named him as their new interim, interim head coach. First time ever that an NFL head coach has been appointed that has had zero NFL coaching experience. Absolute zero NFL coaching experience at the assistant level. Coordinator level, just absolute zero. And, yeah, big gamble, big risk. He has coached high school in Georgia, but, you know, that's obviously different. They're, they're getting him in because, you know, he's a legend, Hall of Fame, a real smart player, so it's kind of like, look, man, surely if anyone can figure it out, it's you. So, real interesting call. Like, obviously, in the NBA, they've been doing this for a while, just hiring fucking... Star, recently retired star players that look, you know, will would be good at coaching. Sort of smart guys, those types. You know, like your Steve Kerr's and 
Steve Nash and Jason Kidd. I'm sure they had a little bit of assistant experience, but not much. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Like, if Jeff Saturday has some success, like, it might open up some of these, especially, like, quarterback types or real smart players, like, recently retired to just go straight into head coaching positions. And, yeah, it almost happened. I think, like, Josh McCown, who was a journeyman quarterback who recently retired, the Houston Texans nearly brought him in as a head coach this last season. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jess Saturday goes well. I'd I'd have my money on him to be the next Houston Texans quarterback. And it's probably going to be a league trend that, you know, changes things. Changes things for the better, I reckon, because, like... Yeah, man, I think the amount of good brains, the best, you know, the best people that you can get into NFL coaching positions, the better. But yeah, anyway, it's gone pretty long on the sporting roundup this week, but I thought I'd get into some bit of personal news in the, in the family life. And yeah, man, pretty big on the family front this week. The little sister, the younger sister, the baby sister. Has gone and got hitched. She's gotten engaged. The sister's boyfriend got down on one knee. Absolutely. Pulled, you know. Made a fool of himself. Pulled out a ring. And said to my little sister. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And honestly. You know. Good for them. That's what I that's what I say. Like, you know, she's a bit young for modern standards. She's only twenty two, so that's a bit young to be getting getting engaged and you know, she's a bit of a fucking idiot, bit of an airhead, I'll be honest. My sister. So you know, but when you look at her she you can tell she's my sister, so not really blessed in that department. It feels weird to be talking about your sister in that way, but if you saw her you'd understand. And, you know, boyfriend, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Real good dude. Get on with him well. He's a bit of a pussy. I'll be, he'll be the first to admit. Real sort of beta, low-T type dude. You know, same age as me, fucking, you know, mid-twenties. Already losing most of us here. You know, works office job. Fucking working for a telecommunications company. But, yeah, good dude, laughs at most of my jokes, real good sense of humour, fucking loves his South Park and his Rick and Morty and that kind of shit, so get on well with him in that kind of regard, and, you know what, you know, I think, I think it's just, I think it's a good match, man, I think they'll probably, you know, don't see any scenario where either of them are going to drastically change as they grow up as adults, and I think they basically, you know, just want a simple, cosy life of a couple of kids, some, you know, work work and shit and just fucking you know white picket fence to live that kind of life and power to them man but fuck like you know for me emotions wise kind of messed me around a little bit this week to be honest not gonna lie you know as much as I'd like to admit that you know I'm a emotionally solid person you know I'm a strong independent male who don't need no woman fuck man it really sort of you know for, for a couple of days this week I was really sort of feeling like fuck man I gotta get out there man I, I need to I need to start fucking you know I've taken a break recently off the off off you know tinder and hunting for the puss and trying to you know line up some dates and 
trying to meet some chicks. I've taken a bit of a break off that for the last month, and but this week, man, that all changed. Younger sister's getting hitched. Older brother got married early in the year. Guaranteed I'm the last fucking sibling to sign his life away, but... But, you know, marriage is a weird one, though. Like, if you'd asked me, like, even, like, six months ago, I would have been like, fuck, why the fuck would you do this? Such a waste of time in modern society. Like, why the fuck do you need to involve the government and, you know, or if you're so inclined to God in your love life? Like, you know, why can't it just between be, be between, you know, you and you and your bitch, whether what you're going to do for the rest of life, whether she's going to stick around, whether you're going to knock her up. Like, I feel like they should just be individual decisions. I shouldn't, like, feel like you should... I feel like making just the big decision like hitching yourself to a person like tying yourself to another person in your 20s is a bit of a fucking stupid move like objectively it is like i think it's you know i feel like a logical way to go about it would be to get in a relationship with a chick that you know it's not a bad chick that you both get on with and both attracted to and start with a like relationship fucking couple years ago you know, make sure you get on and fucking move in with them a few years and be like, oh, fuck, man. Maybe we get a little mini-me hanging around. You know, me and you, we good, good fucking, you know, we work well together. We'd probably raise a child pretty well together, so let's squeeze one out and keep going. And then you have one, and then you have two, and then you realize after a few years, fucking shit's going pretty well. Kids aren't fuckwits. You know, you're getting a lot out of it. You realize, fuck, man, let's just, you know, there's no... You know, you got all this already invested in the relationship, so now we'll just make the, you know, do the big ceremony in front of our fucking friends and shit and, you know, do that whole thing. I feel like, in my mind, that's just the smarter way to do things because, like, yeah, you want, you know, it just doesn't make logical sense to, a few years into a relationship, make a statement on paper, like, we're together forever. Like, I feel like, relationships they change over time like as you progress you know from yeah you know you meet a chick you go on a couple of dates with them you know they're, they're kind of just it's like meeting any new person it's like you're kind of like who the fuck are you you can't really trust someone too much because you don't know what how they're going to react you don't know what like and they're, they're doing the same to you but you start off you're just trying to hang out and have fun with a person see how compatible you are with them and then you know, as time goes by, you know, you get closer after a couple of dates, you, you know, you start smushing bodies together, and then, you know, you move on, and after a while, you know, you, you spend so much time together, you start, you know, sort of telling, telling each other intimate details about each other, fucking... Tell them about the priest that diddled you as a kid and they tell you about the weirdo man that picked them up in the van when they were 10 and raped them in the back of the van. And, you know, you progress on. And, you know, when you, whenever you're fucking with a person, it could be a romantic relationship or it could be one of the lads, you tell them some deep and personal information, you know, that bond gets tighter. And you progress and more and more things come out and then, you know, you're spending so much time together, you get to a point you're just like... Hey, like, we get on well, we spend a lot of time together as it is, well, you know, we're, you know, spending a lot of time in each other's beds anyway, why don't we just fucking move in together, why don't we just get a place together, why don't we just, you know, you know, more, 
thinking more logistically. It just doesn't make sense. Like, you're always going to this other person's house. Sometimes you're spending the night there. They're spending the night here. You know, you already, you know, spend the whole, whole, most of your off days together and shit. You basically say sayonara to all your fucking male friends and all that sort of shit. You're just like, it just makes sense. And then, you know, you spend some time together. You go, you know, spend your 20s together, maybe travel a bit, move around different cities, whatever the fuck you want to do. And then you realize, fuck, man, kids, we want, you know, it just makes sense. There's no, you know, you don't. You already trust this bitch a lot, you know, you already know that they're pretty solid, like, there's going to be things that'll piss you off about anybody you spend that much time with, but, you know, you're, you lock in that this person's not a piece of shit, this person shares a lot of the same values as me, good cunt, get along well, work well as a team, you want to have kids, this is, this person just fucking makes sense, and then you're just like, yeah, let's have one, see how it goes, couple of years, try it out, you know, goes well, have another. And, you know, because I feel like you've got to have at least two. One's, having one's a bit weird, I find. Only childs are, tend to be cunts. You want to have at least two. And then, you know, depending on your preferences financially and fucking how much you want, you decide whether you want to go for three, four, five. I feel like going over five, you're a bit of a weirdo too because, like, you know, yeah, that's just too many. You can have too many kids. So, you know... And at that point, where you've already got the kids together, you've been living together, you probably own shit together, you know, you've probably already bought a house at that point together. And you're just like, yeah, let's just... Another thing, let's... There's no point, like... You're not gonna... There's... It just would be stupid to split up at that point, because then that just makes hanging out with your kids difficult, and you already, you know, you don't want to find another person to try and spend this much time with, and, like, honestly, who the fuck actually wants to live most of their life alone? I think you're an absolute fucking sociopath if that's how you feel, so, yeah, that's when you get married. I just feel like, you know, it's a, it's a common thing that people, I feel like it's part of what fucked up, you know, our parents... And their grandparents' generation is like, they just rushed so quickly into getting to the point where, yep, this is the person I was spending the rest of my life with. If they just sort of spaced it out, took it in stages and realized, you know, people are different people when you're, you're 20 years old, you're different when you're 25 and you're different when you're 35 and, thir- and 40, 45, 50, like you're a different person. And sometimes people, you know, they get... <laughs> They don't reveal the craziest, weirdest, most annoying parts of themselves until they're older. So you got to always have that ability to have an off-ramp. And obviously, like, if you get to the point where you moved, like, you move in with a chick and then you realize she's not, not the one for you and she's crazy, that's pretty fucking difficult. you got to deal with lease, agree- you know, lease agreements, splitting up shit. You might have a cat or something together. And, like, it's always going to be messy. And the further you go into a relationship and then you end it, the messier it's just going to get. So, like, it doesn't make sense to then just chuck marriage in there right at the start so that you guarantee from that point on, whenever you split up, it's going to be messy as fuck. Like, there's nothing messier than a divorce. It's the ultimate in fucking shit breakups. Like, you'd rather have, you know, stages where you're like, okay, like, sort of checkpoints if you're, you know, if you're a gamer, you know, you get to different checkpoints, the level of difficulty and the consequences go up as you go through those checkpoints, but, you know, it's, 
you know, that's just my two cents on how relationships should work. So, but anyway, sister and her boyfriend, though, basically what I was getting at, they're both pieces of shits, but pieces and pieces of shits in different ways. But when pieces of shits find each other, you know, on when they're similar levels of pieces of shit, they should just shack up and, you know, they're both not that intelligent, if I'm being honest. So, I don't even think they're going to be able to mentally have the capacity to, like, cheat on each other or anything, or fucking even contemplate having a relationship outside of each other, so, you know, I think they'll live a long, mindless, boring, kind of happy, kind of shit future together, and more power to them, but yeah, (coughs) anyway, fuck, this one's turned into a long one, but still more shit to talk about, maybe this is why I should really, you know, keep pumping out two a week, because... One a week, I've just got too much to talk about in one go. <clears throat> and the voice is actually starting to handle a little bit. Like, I think this is already the longest podcast I've done. But you know what? We're going to keep pushing it. We're going to keep pushing it. So, A&P show this week. The Canterbury A&P show, or the New Zealand Agricultural Show, as it's officially called. That went down this week, and if you're from the Christchurch Canterbury region, you'll know... The A&P show, absolute fucking staple. And so, you know, it's been off the last two years because of the COVID bullshit, but this year, first one back, absolute fizz for it, had to get down for it, had to show up, had to check it out. And, you know, luckily I was able to score some free tickets because the grandparents, they're, they're members of it, old, you know, old granddad, Fucking had a bit of a fall a few months back, broke his leg, not really in a state to be able to walk around the big showgrounds. And so free tickets were available, so I took my grandparents' tickets from them and, you know, went, went down on the Wednesday with, uh, you know, old mate, one of, the, one, of the, one of the fucking special needs guys that I work with. So tied it in, got free tickets, tied it into a work shift, so I got paid for it. And fucking got to take this kid to his first ever AMP show, so that was pretty sick. Now, if you don't know what the AMP show is for international listeners, think like a county fair or a state fair, you know, probably be the closest example in the US. I'm sure they have AMP shows in the UK and Aussie and shit, but basically, state fair, and it's the biggest one in the country. It's the one for New Zealand, and it's right here in Christchurch. You got the big sheds full of animals, big arena where they have like the short horse the show jumping and fucking all the horse shit and then you got wood shopping you got the dog trials you got shearing a whole bunch of shit being sold all the agricultural shit being sold tractors boats fucking steam engines all that shit you got a bunch of weird animals petting zoo type shit old machines you got big fucking amusement park type things pretty shit intent. that's the one thing that's you know compared to like american state fairs i'm pretty sure is way worse like that's where shit can improve a lot but everything else is just top level the animal shit like you can't you know you couldn't do it better like it's, it's honestly one of the best things that happens in the canterbury region year on year and it's been shit that it's been off the last two years but it's good to get down there you know but a big nostalgia fucking moment for for your boy too because back in the day old old granddad was a sheep farmer you know and he'd He'd work at the show every year, like, he, he used to work for this big-ass sheep station, you know, big station that ran a lot of sheep up in North Canterbury, and 
part of working his job working on the station. He is he was in charge of taking fucking their station's top top sheep down to the show to try and you know win all those awards for that they give out at the show. So he was always down there fucking manhandling sheep, bringing them in, judging and taking care of all that shit. And you know he used to work there there for years. So went every year, got us in for free. Fucking used to get backstage, hang out with, hang out in the fucking secret cafeteria area outside where all the fucking people that work at the show get all the good shit. And yeah, man, fucking got in the newspaper back when I was eight. Fucking me and my brother, first time ever in the newspaper when they, in the press, me, me, me and the brother fucking beating the shit out of each other with inflatable swords. Fucking weird fucking press photographer was like, hey, can I take a picture of you guys doing that? And, you know, we ended up in the press and, you know, that was pretty big for eight-year-old me, eight-year-old Matt back in the day. But, fuck, man, funniest, funniest moment, though, this year at the show. So I went with the special needs boy and he was pretty pumped to go and he said to me when we got there is that he wanted to go on the scariest possible ride. At the A&P show. And I was like, oh yeah, sure sure you do, mate. We'll see when we get there. So a couple of hours go by, uh, checking out all the animals and shit. So then we decided to go to the, the amusement park fucking side of the A&P show. And we get there and, you know, uh, we don't have a lot of money, you know, to spend. But it's, um, you know, two or three rides. Pick whatever ones, you know. Two or three rides, there's only about six there, like, and some of them look pretty average, so I'm not depriving them of much, but two or three rides, and then we'll go off and do something else, and so he starts off with, like, the spaceship one, pretty tame, still pretty cool, he enjoys it, and then gets on, sees, sees the scariest ride that he's decided straight away as he gets off this one, and he... He decides that this is this is the ride he wants to go next. And it was called, I think it was called the Side Rider. And basically, if you don't know what it was like, if if you can picture the classic like amusement park ride, it's like the pirate ship, where it's a big ship that's on a big pendulum and it start it starts swinging back and forth and it gradually gets starts swinging more and more until it gets in, up to the top and gets to a full 360 goes upside down spins back and it gets faster and faster and goes back and goes 360 up and down the air and swings back down and then stops so basically that's what this side rider swat side rider ride was but it was a single person cab on each side so you were in there by yourself and so this guy he's like yep this is the ride i want to do today and he gets on and he's like i'm like are you sure mate and he's like yep i want this one i'm like all right and we go up, we line up, we get onto the ride, and, like, this guy, he's, like, autistic, pretty severely autistic, and he does what, you know, if you don't know what, he, he's he's big with the stimming, if, you know, that's the, head, the the phrase I've heard for it, if you don't know what stimming is, it's, like, you see, you ever, ever see, like, a special needs guy, and he, he's walking, and he's, like, his arms and shit are, like, twitching all over the place a little bit, like, not, I'm not talking, like, cerebral palsy, we're, like, you know, they're kind of stuck in weird positions and things don't move quite well and they've got, like, the T-Rex arms going on. I mean, like, where they're, like, doing weird ticks with their arms moving and they're tapping and, you know, fucking doing all that weird stuff. Like, that's what stimming is. And when he gets anxious, 
he starts doing it more and more. So if you can picture this guy, he's walking, you know, he gets to the front of the line, the guy running the ride says, all right, mate, you're up next. And he walks, walks up to the ride. He's stimming like mad. The guy running the ride looks to me and says, uh, is this guy all right? Is he all right to go on this? You know? And I was like, yeah, yeah, he'll be fine. Like, he's, he's just nervous and he does that. And then the guy's like, points to the sign. He's like, does he have any of the conditions on that? And it's like, you know, a list of conditions that it says not to go on the ride with, like epilepsy, pregnancy, fucking all that kind of shit. And he doesn't have anything, you know, to my knowledge on the board. So I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, he's just autistic. He's fine, you know. And they're like, all right. So the guy gets on the ride, he gets strapped in, and like he tries to crack some jokes, but he, they're autistic jokes, so the guy's strapping him in, and he's like, asks him if he's going to die, is the ride safe, tells him he's going to sue him if he fucking hurts himself, like, but he sounds dead serious, so the guy looks at me, he's like, are you sure this guy's right? I'm like, yeah, he's fine, he's just trying to make jokes. So anyway, the ride starts, starts off gradual enough, and then then it just goes and this guy's just going just yelling just going screaming going shit fuck ah! and he sounds like he's absolutely freaking out hey so i'm thinking oh fuck i might have fucked up here <laughs> i might have let this guy just go on a ride that he's not ready for but anyway the ride comes to a stop gets off he's just like that was the best thing ever and just absolutely fizzed so yeah, that was the high point of the day at the AMP show. But yeah, brought back a lot of a lot of good vibes, a lot of nostalgia. But yeah, anyway, I think I'll start wrapping up this podcast. Been a pretty long one. Been a good one though, I feel like. Got a lot got a lot out there. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping matters going forward. Revision on my last podcast on Bluetooth. Kind of a bit of a weird synchronicity. Um, ended up like the next night going to the gym. And I found some headphones, some good wired headphones that have the USB-C connection that goes straight into the into the charging port on the on the new phone. So, and they're decent. So some cunt, you know, his loss, my gain, left his decent headphones sitting there at the gym. So got some decent wired headphones for for my new phone. So crisis averted. Don't have to be a Bluetooth pussy, and I can live my life until I lose these headphones, which I hopefully won't do for at least a couple of months um yeah and yeah what what are you gonna do next matt well pretty simple if you are a fan of z rap z rap music nas the legend nas has just dropped king's disease 3 a matters a matter of hours ago and i have yet to put that those tunes through my ear holes and listen to it so i'm gonna keep smoking keep the sesh going listen to some fucking epic rap music and just live my best life so see you next time dickheads